Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Hi, and today I'm with Abby. Hi, Abby. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Very good. Uh, can you tell us who you are? My name is Abby Pugh. I'm a partner at a consultancy called Multiple, and we work primarily with post-Series A stage tech companies to help them scale their brand, their culture, and their growth strategies. Let's do the link right away there. You mentioned the term culture. Of course, I've read about you that you have this multicultural background. And Is there a link there? Yeah, absolutely. I was born to British parents. But I grew up in the United States and I've also spent a number of years living in different parts of the world. I studied Arabic at university as well as French, German and Spanish at school. And so that kind of drove me to explore as much of the world as I could in my younger years. And that took me to the Middle East and I lived in Cairo for a little while. I then went on to study Somali and Swahili. So that took me to Nairobi in Kenya. That made me very aware about the diversity of culture that exists in the world and in particular the kind of subjective nature of what people value and how they behave and it made me realize that there are a lot of parallels between different countries and religions and their cultures and organizations. I was about to ask you that. What is the link between culture as defined like you just did and either corporate culture or startup culture? Are, are the dynamics similar? I think the definition of culture is a really fascinating, highly polemic <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. topic. Um, obviously, you can talk about the sort of anthropological perspective on it. But I think in the context of organizations, what people typically see it as, it's the way we do things around here. It's how people behave. It's a pretty powerful signal both to those internally as to how to behave but also to those externally whether that's potential hires or clients as to what you stand for as an organization you you mentioned the term brand at multiple mm -hmm. branding is also basically the philosophy of this word that is a philosophical what actually the brand represents is what the company represents thus the philosophy and thus the culture so is that what you're trying to do are you trying to shift cultures help companies develop a culture what is exactly angle you're taking this? I think it's probably dependent on where they're at. I know that sounds somewhat vague, but different people at different stages are at a different sort of level of development. I mean, one of the reasons why I liken culture to physical fitness as a concept is whether or not you're actively doing something about it, you already have it. And depending mm. on the level of commitment and the resources and the time and attention you're directing towards developing it, you'll be at a different stage, a different level of strength, a different level of flexibility, for example. And our aim when we're working with our clients is to, first of all, figure out where they're currently at. And then based on where they, they want to go, how the culture can help them get there. It's almost as if you're doing here like some investigation about the, the behavior. Let's use your analogy with fitness. You do it or you don't. Sometimes it's about getting getting fit, for instance, about getting into the habit of wanting to get fit. It's about, you know, hitting the gym every day or whatever. Uh, so is that the same dynamic as well? Do you see companies you need to train them to get into training? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head, right? And uh, training to get into training is kind of what it's about because let's be honest, I think for most of us, it's pretty rare that we're operating at maximum fitness all of the time. Um, yeah. We have other commitments that demand our attention and you know that's fine. And I think in the case of many founders and CEOs, 
they're not only having to wrestle with challenges around people, they've got sales targets and investors to respond to and office moves and fundraisers and all these other things. It can all, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of them feel like there's always something more urgent to attend to. But the reality is like, you know, again, to refer back to this idea of fitness, there is never a perfect time to get fit or to address culture. You just somehow have to squeeze it in anyway and, and make that investment in yourself. Because ultimately, in doing so, you'll enable basically everything to happen better and more easily as you go on. More often than not, especially in the startup world, the culture is defined whether consciously or unconsciously by the founders, by, you know, sometimes it just happened and that's the culture of the company. Where do you see yourself or where has it happened that you enter into training them to train? Is it because they realize they have a problem with the culture or they've never thought about it? Or is it because they're like from the beginning are very self-aware and say, okay, we need someone to help us address this from the get-go? We actually see a mixture of kind of cases, as you've described. I think you've described a number of them. So on the one hand, you might have a particularly self-aware founder who often it's not their first company and they've learned, sadly, usually the hard way that if they don't tend to these things they can become problematic in future so we've had a couple of founders come to us and say we've got a great culture but we want it to be brilliant you know we think we, we can do more and we want to make sure that we're quite deliberate in the actions that we're taking going forward you can also get cases where people you know often not through any malicious <laughs> intent have sort of taken their eye off the ball and maybe made one or two bad hires or they've gone through some challenges around product or some kind of lapse and that's resulted in this impact then on people and how they behave and how they're feeling and morale often and they've kind of come to us and going how can we help reset you sort of go back to the analogy of fitness you know sometimes without meaning to you're going to break a leg and that's going to require then a very different kind of deliberate focused plan of recovery versus simply just looking to get a little bit faster, leaner, sharper. Is that something that you feel that founders and startups are more aware of nowadays than they used to? Have you seen this kind of, because let's admit it, there's a lot of uh, discussion around company culture, uh, but do you think that founders are more aware and do they approach you thus more easily than they might have done, I don't know, five years ago? That's a really wonderful question and it's something that I think on a lot because anecdotally I think you're absolutely right certainly the volume of noise about culture is probably louder than it's been ever before as far as I'm aware I do think there is a difference between here in the UK and the States I think in America the importance on which they place culture is much greater that's partly as I sort of referenced earlier born of the experience of having built more companies they're often more aware that these things when unattended can go quite badly wrong but I also think that here in the UK we're becoming more comfortable with the idea of adopting perhaps some of our American cousins qualities around self-reflection and being more vulnerable and being more open and talking about some of these things and I think for some people this idea of peeking under the hood and going to their team and saying, you know, how are you feeling about working here and what is our culture like can be quite intimidating because you don't necessarily know what the response is going to be. So I think it takes a particularly sort of self-aware and quite confident founder to do it. I think you sometimes see some people who are a little bit nervous about finding out, but I think there's less stigma now attached to the idea that investing in people is not just this fluffy thing kind of feel-good factor which to be perfectly honest 
there is some merit to it. I mean, if we all just sat around having a group therapy session and talking about how we feel working at an institution, that's not necessarily going to be particularly effective. And part of the challenge, I think, around culture is that people don't necessarily know what it means and they don't know how to go about tackling it. You mentioned a word of fluff that uh, <laughs> is, I, I will link it to brand values because mm. we see a lot of corporates, you know, going into these deep research with obviously a, a marketing campaign about uh, brand values and what is our company, what does it represent? And more often than not, like you hinted at in a certain way, it's fluff. Uh, when we were preparing this show, you were telling me about three axes you were thinking of. It was the purpose of the company, the values, and this is where I was in, and then how you basically make them happen. Let's go into the three. First of all, maybe the purpose. What should be the purpose? Should it be defined even, or should it just happen because of the founder? What What's your take on that one? Well, for us, I mean, purpose is really, why are we all here? Why are we all doing this? Why have we built this This company and it sounds simplistic and certainly obvious but it's quite natural sometimes to charge down a path when you're excited and stimulated by an idea or an opportunity and oftentimes it's not until you're quite away <laughs> down your product development journey when you stop and go hang on a second what is what is it that we're trying to do here <laughs> um, and that's it sounds kind of funny and and to a certain extent it is but if you can lock down fairly early on in, in your evolution this guiding principle as it were or this north star it's such a powerful aid in terms of orientation as you progress as a unit it not only helps you kind of make decisions and about what opportunities to pursue or perhaps decline. But it also can be this incredibly motivational thing for the people within the team, you know, connecting what they're doing on an everyday basis to this higher kind of calling of the organization, because that ultimately is what will make people feel engaged amongst other factors. And that intrinsic motivation is going to ensure you get the best out of your people. So how then do we dive down from that purpose to actual values? I know there because some people would say they're very similar, but maybe one is a subset of the other. Yeah, I think I think thinking of it as a subset is definitely helpful. The way I think about it is if you know why you are here and what it is you're trying to achieve, the next question then is kind of okay, well what do we need to do and how do we need to behave in order to realize that ambition? And that's where values can really be an incredible tool, because as you mentioned earlier, they can absolutely also be total garbage and management fluff. And I think it's really important that we're open and honest about that. And in the very famous Netflix culture handbook, they talk about Enron and how integrity was one of Enron's values. And we all know um, what But the happened. reality of what's That's a really good example of what in psychology we talk about, which is the values action gap, you know, claiming to say something is important to us. And yet everything we're doing reflects that that's absolutely not the case. And that is when management values or core values in this context are management fluff. Absolutely. 100%. Because really, it's down to authenticity. If you know that you want to achieve this specific or fulfill this specific purpose. And in order to do that, you need to be, maybe it's competitive, maybe it's compassionate, maybe it's, you know, aggressively intelligent, who knows? You can then say, right, guys, this is what we need to do and how we need to behave in order to fulfill our purpose. This is who we actually are and what we care about. And if this is resonating with you, you're going to do better work. And if you're looking to potentially join a company, 
you're going to want to be part of that, right? Because you're then expending a lot less effort and intellectual energy on trying to be something you're not and trying to adapt to an environment to which you're not naturally suited. And so to my mind, values should really be easily translatable into principles that guide behaviours. So if you're going to say, you know, we really care about being honest, then that means that you give direct feedback in meetings and to your peers and you don't lie in press releases. Do you know what I mean? So it should then be easily expanded into the day-to-day. Yeah, because you use the word action. So in here, the action is basically to make these value translate into something real and not just, yeah. yeah. Are there, like, because probably there are founders listening to us, are there, like, besides, of course, (laughs) calling someone like you, are are there, like, any ways to make sure that it stays real besides, you know, keeping honest with yourself? Is it the same thing as fitness and you you just don't lie to yourself and say, yeah, I'm actually really going to go, like, four times a week (laughs) and I'm not going to have a cheat day every two days? Or how how does that happen? That, That is really the thing that's hard for everyone to wrap their head around and you know, you talked about cheat days. I think cheat days are totally fine. I think the key thing is, you know, just as if you're embarking on a particular fitness mission, to bear in mind, behavior change is hard. Forming habits takes time. And, you know, as any good scientist will tell you, if you start changing all the variables simultaneously, you're going to struggle to know what's actually working and what's driving improvements and what isn't. So the way we think about it is, as you said, in addition to being self-aware, you then need to approach it in quite a deliberate, systematic way and start tackling it thing by thing. So looking at internal communications, looking at the people that you're bringing into the business, looking at the hiring process itself, looking at how you've designed your organization. And the way to go back to this idea of purpose, you know, the thing that we think that you have to do first and foremost is codify the foundational assets, as it were. So that is the purpose, that is the values, and that is can be done, must be done, frankly, driven by the senior management team and then in collaboration with the wider team before you start tinkering with then what are we doing around internal comms? Because God knows it's, this is not about a ping pong table. The number of conversations you sort of have with people think, or well, maybe if we get some beanbags in or a ping pong table or we start doing beers on a Friday, but to what end? You know, what is the objective for that particular thing and how... When people are are involved with those things, are they going to make a link to what the ultimate reason you're all here is? Now, how are you going to make help that be this consistent thread throughout everything? Well, Abby, on that, uh, that's it for today. But we'll have you again very shortly uh, on another episode because there's more I want to ask you. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. Mm -hmm.